Today's reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Wonderful, thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. A warm welcome from me to you from St. Paul's. Uh, my name's Adam. I am the existing curate. Uh, I am delighted that uh, Ruth is going to be joining us as curate as well. She's a little bit concerned that you're going to get confused between the two of us. Um, I'm sure that won't be the case. Uh, she suggested that you refer to me as the senior curate and as her as the mature curate. Um, if you know either of us at all, you'll know that neither is particularly true, but never mind. Uh, let's uh, pray together as we consider this passage. Father God, we thank you so much for your love for us. And as we consider this passage and others beside it this morning, we pray that you would speak to us afresh about that love. That you would show us ways that we can be more loving. That we would know that we are loved and that we are called to love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as, as uh, Jonathan said, we're thinking about love uh, this morning, particularly the love uh, that we have and that we receive uh, from and to God. Uh, we think a bit about love for one another as well. I'm going to focus particularly on uh, a couple of verses from our reading, verses 4 and 5, alongside a few other scriptures. But the verses from our reading I want to focus on are these. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. Just a word of uh, notice to you. Uh, I'm planning to structure the talk this morning a little differently uh, to how you might have uh, come to get used to here at St. Paul's. Uh, I'm actually going to give you a number of spaces of quiet throughout the talk in order for you to uh, respond to God in prayer. Uh, we often have an extended period of response at the end of the talk. We'll still have a little period then as well. But throughout the talk, there will be spaces of quiet. It may be that if God doesn't speak to you through what I say, he may speak to you at least in the silence, uh, which would be great as well. When we use those moments of silence, I'd really love you particularly to focus on this idea of moving things from our head knowledge to our heart knowledge. It's often been said that the distance between the head and the heart is the longest distance possible. Uh, and we can often know things in our heads, but not necessarily know or believe them in our hearts. 
And so as we have these moments of silence uh, this afternoon, I'd love for you to be thinking particularly about whether you believe these things in your heart. If you were here about a month ago, you'll know I gave out pieces of paper and gave you a couple of questions uh, to think about in a sort of write-your-own-sermon sort of style. Uh, I'm doing the same again today, although you haven't got bits of paper. I just want you to think about these in our first moment of silence together. And there's two questions. The first one is, when, um, uh, when someone says, God loves you, what do you think? Well, no, not just what do you think in your head, what do you think in your heart? When someone says God loves every part of you, that every part of you is loved, what do you think about that? And then the secondly, if someone were to ask you, do you love God, what would your answer be? And again, not just the, the answer that we've been taught to give, yes, of course I know God loves me, uh, but actually what is in your heart? Do you know, do you love God And do you know that God loves you? Just give you 30 seconds or so to think about those two questions. Okay. Uh, some of you may have read uh, this book. It's by uh, Stephen Coveney, uh, Covey, sorry, uh, and it's called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was a bestseller for a long time. It won a number of prizes uh, a few years ago. I haven't read it myself, probably where I'm going wrong, uh, but never mind. Uh, the third habit of highly effective people is to put first things first. And in our passage today, this is what the Ephesians church, the Ephesian church are not doing. We translate verse 4 as you have forsaken the love you had at first. The word first there actually is a bit of a a difficult translation, probably primary. Your primary love, your first love uh, is probably a better understanding of that. You've forgotten your primary love. Now, the church in Ephesus, as we looked at a few months ago, was in a very difficult culture. It was surrounded by people addicted to immorality and to idolatry. Often those two things go hand in hand, immorality and idolatry. And if we look around us in the world today, we see both of these things at work in our world immorality and idolatry. You may think maybe there isn't idolatry. There are no golden calves that we uh, worship. Uh, I saw this picture just a couple of weeks ago before I uh, went on holiday on Twitter. You may have seen it before. The famous three monkeys of see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. The fourth monkey doing none of those things uh, because of the way that they are attached to their mobile phone. Just before I went on holiday, uh, somebody told me that my mobile phone has in fact been tracking how long I use it for. Uh, If you didn't know this, if you've got an Apple phone, I'm sure the Android ones do it as well, it's tracking how often you use it for. I think it's quite a risky business because when I went on it, I was so ashamed of how long I spend on my phone, I very nearly threw the phone in the river uh, to get rid of it. I'm too too ashamed to to tell you exactly how many hours it was, Uh, but if I told you that over my holiday, I'd had to try really hard to get it under an hour a day, uh, that'll give you some idea. 
Now, before you judge me too much over that, uh, have a look at your own phones, first of all. Um, And if not, think about the other things, the other things that are getting in the way of your first love, the other idols, perhaps, in your life. Just to think about this idea a little bit more, uh, I'd love to use um, one of my favorite passages of Scripture uh, to illustrate it. Um, We find it in John 21, and it's wonderfully called Breakfast uh, with Jesus. You'll know uh, the passage. The disciples have met the risen Jesus and then suddenly feel a bit lost and not sure what to do. Uh, And so, uh, as often happens when we feel lost, they return to what they know and they go fishing uh, again. And Jesus meets them on the the lakeside uh, and he goes and calls them to them and they have breakfast with him. You'll know the story goes on and uh, Peter goes and sits by the fire, stands by the fire with Jesus. Uh, And Jesus asks him this famous question three times. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these. Three times, to mirror the three times uh, that uh, Peter had denied knowing Christ uh, on his, when Jesus was on his way to the crucifixion. Now, there are several ideas about what the these are. Do you love me more than these uh, are? What Jesus is referring to uh, there. It could have been his fellow disciples. It's most likely that Jesus was referring to the fishing uh, and the thing that Peter had returned to. Uh, in one sense, it doesn't really matter Jesus could easily have said to Martha elsewhere in Scripture, Martha, who was busy looking after the house, do you love me more than these things that you do that you are doing? He says this to us today. He says, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your phone? Do you love me more than whatever it is that we often put in the way, the idols that we place in the way of our relationship with God? Now, of course, it's It's possible to go fishing and uh, still love the Lord more than that. I say that, I can't fish uh, to save my life. Uh, If Brexit carries on the way it is going, I might have to learn, Uh, but uh, dodgy. Uh, It's all right, I won't use Brexit jokes, Adam. Uh, But Jesus is asking here, what are your priorities? Do you love me more than these? Now, some of us spend lots of time doing things uh, for the Lord at the cost of spending time with him. This is about as ridiculous as me spending time doing chores for Jess, uh, my wife, Jacob, my son, and never spending any time uh, with them. I think that our actions often dictate what our thoughts are, what's going on in our hearts. What we end up spending our time doing can reflect what's going on in our hearts. Do we truly love God more than these? So just in this second moment of silence, uh, I'd love you to think about the things that have become idols, perhaps, in your lives, the things that distract you from time with God, and ask yourself this question again, do you love me more than these? Let's have another 30 seconds or so to think about that. Okay. 
Jesus was asked uh, very famously, we read it uh, in, here in Matthew's gospel, uh, what the greatest commandment was. And he said, uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We're not just called to love God, we're called to love our neighbors as well. And I know that we know this in our heads. But how well do we know this in our hearts? Again, if our actions reveal what's going on in our heart, maybe the Lord might want to speak to us uh, through this. Uh, just before we went on holiday, Jess and I went into Birmingham to do some shopping, uh, and somebody approached me and said, uh, could, I, could he have some money? Because uh, he needed to make a phone call. And I truthfully said, I'm sorry, I haven't got uh, any cash on me. Uh, I don't often carry cash. I did have the mobile phone that I'd spent many hours uh, that day on in my pocket. Perhaps a more loving response would have been to say, I'm sorry, I haven't got any cash, but please feel free to use my phone to make the phone call you need to make. Sometimes our actions will speak into what's going, into, going on in our hearts. How well are we doing at loving our neighbor as God commands us to hear? Uh, most of you have uh, not heard my wedding talk yet. Uh, don't worry, I'm not about to get a pair of hedge cutters out if you've heard Jonathan's. Um, but uh, I often get asked at weddings why it is that the couple say, I, do, uh, I will, rather than I do. When you watch any films on the television, uh, any uh, films in the cinema, they always say, I do. But when they come to church here, we ask people to say, I will. That's the liturgy that we use. This speaks into the fact that love is far more than an emotion, it's a commitment. It's very easy uh, when a couple are stood before me uh, on their wedding day, looking as great as they ever will, feeling as loved up as they ever will, for me to say, do you love this person? And for them to say, yes, of course I do. Do you love this person? Ten years down the line, when perhaps the children are screaming uh, and life is not going quite as well, it's a harder question, perhaps. Which is why we say, I will, rather than I do. I will says that I will love you, even when uh, you've been particularly mean to me. I will continue to love you. Love is a commitment, not just an emotion. And in that, I will becomes priceless, and I do becomes fairly meaningless as a result. Loving our neighbors, sometimes even uh, showing our love to God, is a commitment that we make to one another and to him. It will take effort from time to time. Each day we should be asking ourselves, did I show God's love to my neighbors? Did I show uh, the love that I have for God to him today? I shared uh, a quote with you, which I'm going to share in a moment, uh, by D.A. Carson, which speaks into this. And as we go into this next moment of quiet uh, together, I'd love for you to reflect both on this quote and also um, on uh, whether, how well you're doing in the connections that you make in the week at showing God's love to others. So hear these words. As I say, D.A. Carson wrote this. People do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. 
we slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. So just in these next 30 seconds, particularly think about times that you perhaps have not shown God's love in the connections that you've made through the week. Lord, we know that each of us could do better at showing the love that we have for you and showing the love that we have for our neighbours. Lord, particularly for those times that we've just thought of over this last uh, few days or weeks or even minutes. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. And we thank you, Lord, that there is nothing we can do to separate ourselves from your love. Help us to know that we are your children. Help us to know the calling that you place on our lives, the commandments you place on our lives to love you and to love our neighbors. And as we go into this week, we pray that you would help us to walk in a new direction, to realign ourselves to remember our first love. In the passage it says, do as you did at first. Do the things you did at first. Perhaps you can remember when you became a Christian, the zeal and the love that you had for the Lord and for, his, for our neighbors. Lord, would you remind us again to do the things we did at first to love you and to love our neighbours. Amen. Amen. The last thing I want us uh, to think about this afternoon um, may well be the hardest uh, thing for us to understand. It should be the easiest, uh, but for me at least it's uh, the hardest because doing all of the rest of what we've talked about is on the, relatively speaking, fairly easy, because it relates to things that are outside of me. Loving God, he's over there. Loving our neighbors, they're over there. They're outside of me. They're things that I can do. I'm a fairly active person. I like doing things. Um, they're fairly easy. There's no problem with that. But love is never meant to be a one-way thing. We are called to, to know that God loves us as well. In fact, we do these things out of the response to the fact that God loves us. That love that he showed us wonderfully on that cross. Now again, this is something that's really easy for us to know in our heads. That question I asked right at the beginning. When someone says, God loves you, uh, what do you say? It's easy for us to go, yes, of course, God loves me, I know that. But how well do we know this in our hearts? How well do we know that God loves every part of us. This will almost certainly, the way we feel about this will almost certainly have something to do with the way that we've been treated over the years and how we think about ourselves. 
There was a phrase going around when I was a teenager, which I hope has disappeared now, uh, words to the effect of, um, how can you expect that person to love you if you don't love uh, yourself? The joyful news of the gospel is that it doesn't matter what you think of yourself. It doesn't matter what others think of you or what you think of others. God, the God who created the universe, loves each and every one of us with 100% God quality love. Now, for me, this has been the hardest thing for me to understand. And I could talk to you for another 10 minutes or so about how God loves you and uh, the things that he says in here uh, about how he loves you. It was once said a very long time ago uh, that uh, God's thoughts about you were written down and it contained a whole library of books. And that was condensed into one book, this book. That was then condensed maybe into a chapter and then into a verse and finally into one word, love. This book is full of what God has done for us and how much he loves us. I could talk to you for another 10 minutes, as I say, about all of that. But actually, I want God uh, to speak to us uh, again this morning. So I'm going to give us a final, longer moment of quiet together. As we go into this moment of quiet, I want to say some words which we often use as a prayer of blessing or a, a words that we pray over people, say over people when they come for prayer at Living Free. Uh, these words, which I'll get read through in a moment, uh, are not direct quoting scripture, but are in line with scripture. Each of these things uh, are true of each and every one of us, and it's what God says to each and every one of us. So in a moment, when we have the quiet, I'd love for you to close your eyes and for you, almost if possible, to forget uh, that I'm here uh, and that it's actually God speaking these words over you and not me. As we do that, notice the things that you find difficult to hear. Notice the things that you go, oh, gosh, make a note of those. I'll give us some silence afterwards before I pray again. So let's pray. As we enter into this time of prayer, hear these words. God says of each and every one of us, I am so very proud of you and I delight in you. I am thrilled to be your father, and I am thrilled that you are my child. I know you. I see you. I love you. I honor you. You are gifted, faithful true and full of wisdom and integrity. You have a wonderful future ahead of you, and I will stand with you every step of the way, cheering you on. You are a blessing to me, and you will be a blessing to the world. I rejoice to see how beautiful you are, in body, soul, and spirit. Again, I rejoice to see how beautiful you are in body, soul, and spirit. Walk in this, your identity. Know that you have been created with a wonderful purpose and a wonderful design.